Welcome back to Season 2 of Give Me Some Truth. My name is Obadiah Jones, and this is the podcast where I present new discoveries and highlight new research that helps to unravel fact from fiction in the history of my favorite group, the Beatles. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who listened, subscribed, followed, reviewed, shared, and reached out to me after the first season. The feedback has been great so far, and as long as I keep coming across interesting new insights, I'll keep sharing them with you here. I have more interesting topics and guests for you this season, so without further ado, let's get into episode one. Today, the Beatles return from Sweden to be greeted by what the British press are calling Beatlemania. We'll see what the Queen Mother thinks of Beatlemania when the Beatles perform at the Royal Variety Show on the 4th of November. How were you selected for Ed Sullivan? Was he in England and caught your act or something? Well, um, yeah, well, when we were flying back, this is the story we heard, we were arriving from Stockholm into London Airport and uh, at the same time, the the Prime Minister and the Queen Mother were also flying out, but the airport was just overrun with teenagers. You know, there were thousands of them waiting for us to get back, and Ed Sullivan was supposed to have arrived at that time and wondered what was going on. For this episode, I want to revisit something that I mentioned in last season's episode about how the Beatles found success in the American charts. In that episode, I stated that on the 31st of October, 1963, as the Beatles returned to London from Sweden, Ed Sullivan and his wife were on hand to witness the impressive reception the band received from their fans. When I researched that episode, I knew that there was doubt among Beatles scholarship whether or not Ed Sullivan had been present. But then I found contemporary sources saying that he had been there in person. For example, within three weeks of the event, Brian Epstein told the Liverpool Echo, Ed Sullivan happened to be at London Airport when they returned from Sweden and got a mobbing. That started his interest. Four months later, Ed Sullivan's producer and son-in-law, Bob Precht, said in a newspaper interview, Ed first heard about the Beatles almost a year ago. He was coming into London Airport and there was a crowd there. He thought it was for the Queen, who was due in. It turned out the Beatles were coming in from Europe. This was before they were really popular over there. In Michael Brown's book, Love Me Do, The Beatles' Progress, published in November 1964, Brown quotes Ed Sullivan directly. I remember the first time I saw them. I was at London Airport, and there were mobs. There must have been 50,000 girls there, and I later found out they had prevented Lord Hume and Queen Elizabeth from taking off. I said to Mrs. Sullivan, Here is something. It was just like years ago when I was traveling in the South, and I used to hear the name of Presley at fairs. Of course, he was all wriggling in sex. These boys are good musicians. When I finally saw them play in England and the reaction, I said to Mrs. Sullivan, these boys have something. Given how immediately this story was told, I assumed that was how it happened and put it in the episode. But then I got an email from Trun Olav, a listener to this podcast in Norway, asking me, are you sure about that? He pointed me to a 2006 biography written by James McGuire called 
Impresario, The Life and Times of Ed Sullivan, which lays out a pretty convincing argument about why Ed Sullivan was almost certainly not in London on that momentous day. So, in the spirit of this podcast, of Seeking the Truth, this episode is a revision. The role of any historian is to use the evidence available to piece together the most accurate picture of the past. Now, with more evidence, I think we're one step closer to the truth. The first thing to know is that, in addition to hosting the highly successful Ed Sullivan show on CBS since 1948, Sullivan wrote a celebrity news column for New York's Daily News twice a week. This he had done since his first column, called Broadway, in July of 1932. By 1963, the column had changed its name to Little Old New York and was published every Monday and Friday. The second important piece of information is that Ed Sullivan employed a European talent scout in London named Peter Pritchard, who concurrently worked for British impresarios Lou and Leslie Grade. Yes, the same Lou Grade of Associated Television that purchased Northern Songs out from under the Beatles in 1969. It was Pritchard's job to be Sullivan's eyes and ears in Europe, scouting for quality acts of all types to feature on the show. It was for the purpose of filming European acts that Ed Sullivan visited London for 10 days in September 1963. Among the acts filmed at ATV's Elstree Studios were Cliff Richard and the Shadows, as reported by Disc Music Magazine in the 28th of September issue. The Moscow State Circus was also filmed during a performance at Wembley Stadium, which was broadcast in the States on the 27th of October. At the bottom of his Friday the 30th of August column, Sullivan signed off, I'll see you all back in this space after my vacation. For most of September, the Daily News reminded readers that Ed Sullivan is on vacation. Ed and his wife Sylvia probably made one of their annual visits to France during this time. Only after leaving London on the 24th of September, as reported in the Evening Standard, Sullivan resumed his column on Monday the 30th of September and titled it Back to Work. In this column, Sullivan mentioned his departure from England and mostly filled it with news from London. Reading through Ed Sullivan's columns for the next six weeks, up to and after his supposed Beatles encounter, there is no mention of any further trips abroad, and his personal references seem to place him in New York during this time, where his show was being broadcast every Sunday night. Having already visited London in September, there was no reason for Sullivan to return the following month and nothing in the show's schedule called for another trip. But since he wasn't there in person to witness the Beatles, Prime Minister Douglas Hume, or the Queen Mother, he must have read about the event. In fact, Sullivan confirmed this in a letter he sent to Leslie Grade ten months after the Beatles' debut on his show. The letter, quoted in McGuire's book, states, You have been misinformed, or understandably have forgotten how I came to sign the Beatles. In late September 1963, when we were taping acts in London, I locked up the Beatles, sight unseen, because London papers gave tremendous page-one coverage to the fact that both the Queen's flight and the newly elected Prime Minister Douglas Hume's plane to Scotland had been delayed in takeoffs for three hours. The reason? The airport runways had been completely engulfed by thousands of youngsters assembled at the airport to cheer the unknown Beatles. 
Of course, Sullivan also conflated his September trip with the 1st of November coverage of the Beatles' return. But he importantly states that he signed them to his show, Sight Unseen, because of the paper's tremendous coverage. It was Peter Pritchard's job to alert Sullivan to top British and European acts, and he would have been well aware of the Beatles' huge popularity in Britain. It was Pritchard who ultimately arranged for Brian Epstein and Sullivan to meet in New York. Pritchard sent Sullivan the headlines to recommend the group, and Sullivan was impressed. Sylvia, he told his wife, there must be something here. That quote came from an interview Sullivan gave the Saturday Evening Post in 1968, where he again confirmed that he learned about the Beatles in the papers. It seems Sullivan's story about signing the Beatles onto his show changed depending on his mood or who he was talking to. But Sullivan did like the airport anecdote. When McGuire interviewed Pritchard for his book, he said, Well, as I always said, it's a great press story. What can I say? It sounds like the invention of a public relations expert. In real life, if it would have happened, he would have had a photograph of himself there. So, if Sullivan was not there in person, and it certainly seems unlikely, why did he invent this story? As McGuire writes, The London airport story makes for a flattering portrait of Ed. In a moment of serendipity, the veteran showman, always looking for the next trend, spots a rock and roll band perched on the cusp of international fame. He had long been an adventurous rock promoter. Ever since Elvis, he had used his hallowed talent showcase to introduce the latest rock acts to American living rooms at a time when most adults viewed rock and roll as akin to a social disease. So the story of the London airport sighting, with its portrait of Ed as a first-hand observer, does capture the spirit with which he stayed current with the new youth sound, if not the actual fact. The fact that Brian Epstein was conveying this fake story within a week of making the booking with Ed Sullivan means that either Brian believed Sullivan's hyperbole or was complicit in its fabrication. This is a great example of history being written by the best storyteller and of events being simplified, cutting out the role Pritchard played in turning Sullivan onto the Beatles. Now yesterday and today our theater's been jammed with newspapermen and hundreds of photographers from all over the nation and these veterans agree with me that the city never has witnessed the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Liverpool who call themselves the Beatles. Now tonight, you're going to twice be entertained by them. Right now and again in the second half of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! So there you go. Another myth, most likely false. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for a future episode, or you have additional information about the history presented in one of these episodes, you can write to me by email to gimmesometruthpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at gimmesometruthpod. I post episode artwork and other relevant visuals on these platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a future episode. Hey!